0: If you want to be opening your Bible to John 14, we're going to be primarily in the book of John today. Uh, A couple weeks ago, one of my buddies, Tyler Crawford, was here and he preached and I was really thankful that he was able to be with us and to uh, not just be with us, but to present a lesson. I think it was really helpful. It was um, really good that he went through just the different concepts and ideas of what what the church looks like in the Bible, even going back to the Old Testament. And... One of the things that he mentioned was that and he said, "Well, I know that you know Blake has been going through things about the, the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, I did one lesson. I had talked to him about doing another lesson and so I felt like um, I felt like I had to do another one after he said that. But I, I did plan on doing this, but I, I do struggle with this topic a little bit because I think a lot of people do, and so I don't feel bad struggling with what to say about the Holy Spirit. But the good thing is we don't have to know everything to say. We don't have to explain everything. We don't have to answer every idea that's out there. The best thing we can do, this is just for me, the best thing that I know that I can do, and maybe this will be an encouragement for you, is let's just look at what the Bible does say. Let's look at what Jesus says specifically about the Spirit, and then we're gonna see how that plays out. Um, We could go back to the Old Testament and look at a lot of passages, and I just don't think we have time for that today. There especially are some in Isaiah and Ezekiel. But really, if you want to go back to Genesis 1 and you want to see the aspects of God's spirit and um, what that looks like, what he looks like, how he is spoken of, we could go back all the way to Genesis 1 and just see the idea of God's spirit throughout Scripture. We're going to start in John 14, though. And what I want to do is I want to look at uh, uh, several different things in John 14 through 16. And I want to see what Jesus says to his apostles, to his close disciples, and what he says about this helper, this comforter, this spirit of truth that is going to come. And how he's going to send him to them. And I have James read from John 14 and 10 through 12 because that's where he's saying that he is going to leave. And he's going to have to go. But what he does say is that the, there was um, there were words that he said. That he did not speak on his own authority, but the Father who dwells in him does the works. Then he says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Then he says, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So everything he's about to say is going to help them to believe, and help them to remember the works, and help them to accomplish their own works that he has planned for them. So everything he's about to say uh, through the next couple of chapters, and that's heavily focused on the Spirit. There's a few questions that, that, I'm not gonna go through each of these questions through the lesson, but these, these are just helpful questions to think through. If you're looking to challenge yourself, but if also you're looking to maybe see, um, how can I answer and really come to a really good understanding of the Spirit? Maybe we ask these questions. Why is the Spirit needed? And if you think about it, we have God, we have Jesus on the earth. We have the account of his life. Why is the spirit needed? How does Jesus describe their interaction with the spirit? Like how does he describe the spirit and, and the disciples' interaction with them? What is the nature of the spirit's work? How do we see this promise fulfilled? Because it, it's a promise that he gives them, that he is sending, that he goes away and he's sending the helper. And the last question is, is this promise specific? for the Apostles. Basically, was that promise just for them, or was it promise for us as well? And I think we're gonna be able to answer some of those today. Let's go ahead and start in John 14. I'm gonna have a lot of the passages up here on the screen. If you wanna open up your Bibles and look through it as well, that, that would be great, very helpful. I have a few things highlighted, a few things that are gonna be bold and underlined. Um, it makes sense to me how they're highlighted. It might not have a whole lot of rhyme reason to you, but those are things just to focus on. So. Let's begin at verse 15 of John chapter 14. John 14, beginning of verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So what are some things he says here? Just notice that he does start here and he mentions the helper and the spirit of truth. And then later on he says uh, in verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit. So that's who he's talking about. But what he's saying is that I am leaving and I'm going to give you the helper. I'm going to ask that the helper be sent to you, this spirit be sent to you. But But he starts out, there's kind of some conditions here. Because he says that the world cannot receive this spirit, the spirit of truth. And he says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. So I guess one question I would have is, who's the him there? Is it see Jesus and know Jesus? Well, I don't think so. I I think it's, he doesn't see, they don't see the spirit, and they don't know the spirit. Well, how do we know and see the spirit? How do we see spirit? If you really think about it, um, the idea of spirits in our day, it's not something you really see. And if you do have people talk about an encounter with with a spirit, uh, there's a lot of questions about that and usually there's like have you ever seen the ghost um, like uh, shows where they have these detectors and everything like that uh, I I don't like to watch them um, I don't believe them but I don't watch them either so uh, maybe I, I, I don't want to believe in that's What it is um, one of the things that, that I've noticed in just seeing things like that though is that you don't you no one says that they really see a spirit that they this kind of in their head but what they see is they see the effects of it. You know, you go back to Genesis one and what is seen is not actually the spirit, because it's the breath of God. How do you see breath? Well on a really cold day you go but really you're seeing kind of the effects of the breath as it encounters the, the air. You don't see breath really. You see effects of breath. And and I'm not a scientist. Someone here could probably say, Well, that's actually not true, you can bottle it and everything and you can see it as far as I understand that's what he's saying here though is that you won't see the spirit the world won't see the spirit the disciples will but really you're seeing the effects of this of the spirit that he's going to send let's let's notice a few other things from this passage so he says that the spirit this helper is going to dwell with you and be in you let's go ahead and address the idea of the spirit indwelling disciples he says, Jesus says that's how it's going to look. That's what that's truth. The idea though of, or the question of what does that mean? Maybe we'll get into a little bit of that later, but Jesus says that the Spirit, this helper, is going to be with you and in you. So maybe he's just talking to the apostles. We'll get to that in a second. But he also says that uh, once the world will not see me, you will see me. So the question is, is he talking about the resurrection? Well, people in the world still saw him, right? I mean, like he was he was witnessed and beheld. Now maybe those were, maybe those just became disciples, so therefore it's just them. But maybe another thing that Jesus is saying is that you will see me because you will have the Spirit. So you will continue to see Jesus in a way. Then he goes on, he says, that you will know that I am the Father. So maybe there's a, a, a time where they, they don't really understand this. He's he's crucified, he's taken away. And he's just gone from there for a couple of days, a few days. But then they see him again. And then they're going to know that he is in the Father. But if he's always, if he's talking about when he leaves and he goes away he sends the helper, then maybe what he's also saying is that when this helper, the spirit of truth comes, then you will know kind of more fully that Jesus is in the Father and the disciples are in Jesus and that he is in them. You see that if all this is in the context of the fact that he's leaving then i'm not sure he's talking about the resurrection here he, he might be but he also might be talking about when the helper comes he's going to help in this way not just in a miraculous way that, that people usually think and we'll get that, that, that get to that in a little bit in acts but really it seems like what he's saying is that they're going to know something and realize something more fully that jesus is in the father that the father is in In them or that that, excuse me that that they are in Jesus and that he is in them there's this idea of abiding and having a home with each other dwelling with it with each other that he's talking about then you go down a little bit later he says that this helper is going to teach them all things and bring to remembrance all that he has said to them so just a few observations from from John 14 here and I'm going to be going I know I'm going kind of quickly through these but that's, that's on purpose because I think I think it would take a very long time to go through all of these in great detail. So he says that the Spirit will dwell in them and be in them. Dwell with them and be in them. I think I have a typo there. So the Spirit will dwell with them and be in them. But he also said that the Spirit is going to do two things. He says the Spirit is going to teach. And he's also going to bring to remembrance what Jesus said. Well, who's he going to do this for? Well, he says it's not the world. It's for them. Well, what what do they look like? I mean, what separates them from the world? Well, he actually says it in, in John 14, and we didn't read this. It's in verse 21 through 23. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That sounds like he's going to dwell with it. Well, it sounds like the same thing he says the Helper's going to do. So what separates the world from these disciples? And really, if we're going to ask ourselves and look at ourselves, what separates the world from us? We have his commandments. We keep them. That means that we're loved by the Father. Well, why why are we loved by the Father? Well, aren't we showing that we love him by keeping his commandments? Jesus would say that in John 14, 15. But then he says that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So he flat out says it here. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This idea of dwelling, the the Spirit dwelling with us, I think this is all talking about the same thing. So, who is this going to happen with? Well, it's not going to happen with the world, but is it going to happen with all the disciples? Well, uh, we know one disciple it's not going to happen with because he's not keeping the commandments, he doesn't love him. What about any of us? Well, Well, again, I know I'm putting some of this off. We're going to get to this in Acts a little bit later. But if I'm not, if I don't have his commandments, if I'm not keeping his commandments, thereby showing my love for him, then how can I say I have the love of the Father and therefore he is in me? I can't say that based on what Jesus says here. Let's go on to John 15. So we're going to go to John 15. And let's go ahead and read. We're going to start in verse 18. Starting in verse 18, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, and then a little bit into chapter 16, actually. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. By the way, that was in Psalm 69 that we read this morning. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will, hear, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So he mentions the helper here in verse 26 and 27. It says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you, so he's sent by Jesus when Jesus leaves them. And that this is from the Father, the Spirit of truth. He proceeds from the Father. So without a doubt, He is sending the Spirit. The Spirit is from the Father. We cannot separate the Spirit from Jesus from the Father when it comes to seeing like, okay, we can, we can see different things maybe they're involved in and different um, attributes potentially. But really, there's no separating them. If, if Jesus says several times that He and the Father are one, and then he says that that this is preceded, that the Spirit is proceeding from the Father. And it's coming from the Father. Then well, can we not say the same thing about the Spirit that Jesus says about himself? He proceeded from the Father. And now the Spirit's going to as well. So a few other things just to notice from, from this text. This is all in the context of the fact that the world is going to hate them. And he knows that there is going to be people of, that are his disciples that will be tempted to fall away. So the helper is going to come in and be with them. So the helper isn't just there to just be in them forever. The helper is going to be there to, to support, to, to provide this, this comfort and this peace in this time of trouble. Well, how is he going to do this? Because they're going to persecute them. They're, they're going to do all this in the name of Jesus. Um, well, what he actually says is that He's going to bear witness about me. This spirit that is going to be with you and in you is going to bear witness about me. So this isn't just to help them to kind of cope with all the difficulties. It's actually to help them to then do his works. Because what he then says is that you will bear witness. They can't bear witness unless the spirit bears witness about Jesus. Because what are they bearing witness about? Who are they they going to speak about? I'm not saying they don't know anything, but there's something about the Spirit coming that is going to either give them, uh, just remind them of things, is going to teach them of things, like we said in John 14. It's going to help them to actually bear witness. So when we see people speak about Jesus in the New Testament, we understand that they're not doing that just based on some grand understanding or knowledge that they came to. They're not doing that because they went and studied through the Old Testament. And then they, then they took a look at the things that Jesus' life and then said, oh, this is, this is the Messiah. They said this and they wrote these things because of the Spirit. The Spirit's influence, uh, bearing witness about Jesus. So a few things here. The Spirit bears witness of Jesus and the apostles will bear witness as well. All right, let's go on to John 16. Again, I know this is a pretty quick overview. John 16, and we're going to pick up actually in verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me where are you going. By the way, they, they actually did ask that. Um, or they have asked that already. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what do we learn about this helper in the spirit here? He says it's that to their advantage that he goes away. He's been their, their rabbi, their, their teacher, their leader for a few years now. And he's saying that it's for their own good that he leaves. And that just doesn't make any sense. You would think it would just be for their own good that he never leaves, that he stays with them. There is something about him sending the helper that makes it important that he leaves. In fact, it makes it them in a better situation that he leaves. He says that he's going to send the Spirit to them. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he says that the Spirit is going to guide them into all truth. But he's not going to speak on his own authority. He's going to say whatever he hears. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he's going to declare to them the things that are to come. So he's not not only going to tell them and remind them of things Jesus did. He's going to tell them the things that will happen. He says that the Spirit is going to glorify Jesus. And then he's going to take what is his and declare it to them. it would be really hard for me to hear Jesus say this and to believe Him. I I wouldn't understand what I'm waiting for. I wouldn't understand what's coming. I wouldn't understand why He has to leave and something is going to be better. I mean, He's the guy. Just stay with us. And And then I think about what He says is going to come from the Spirit. And it's not that somehow Jesus was incapable, but somehow in God's plan... It was going to be better that Jesus leave because of not only the influence that the Spirit was going to have on the apostles, but it's almost like the confirmation of who Jesus is, what he's about, and then they're going to go and they're going to convict the world through the Spirit concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. They're going to be able to go across the whole world teaching people about Jesus because the Spirit is going to be with them. But if Jesus doesn't leave, then the Spirit can't do all of that. So what do we learn from John 16 about the Spirit? The Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will guide them into all truth, and the truth is from the Father, it's not just of Himself. That He speaks what He hears, just like Jesus. The Spirit declares what is to come, and that He glorifies Jesus. So let's just take a look real quick at this list, and I want you to think about other things you've heard people talk about in reference to the Spirit? And how the Spirit guides them? How the Spirit speaks to them? Does it seem like it's the same thing that you see on the screen here? Or is it, like, sometimes a different truth? Is it something beyond just revealing things about Jesus, that Jesus did, reminding them about things of Jesus? Or is it, like, new things? Is it things that are puzzling to us because we're thinking I don't see that anywhere in the life of Jesus and it's like something that is outside of what we have revealed to us is it something that is always miraculous All, I mean the spirit comes and it's just like wondrous works well, I'm not saying none of those things um, apply but from just listening to people talk about this holy spirit It just doesn't sound like the same spirit that Jesus promised was coming to the apostles. And that should be concerning to us. Because if that's what they are being led by, is some spirit that doesn't sound like this spirit, then how can they ever say that they are in Him and that He is in them, and that they are in the Father and the Father is in them, and that they are comforted by difficulties that have come up their way, and they are actually convicted of sin. They are led into actual righteousness and they're prepared for this judgment. How could they ever say that they're glorifying Jesus without the spirit of that he is sending? I've actually, this is not the case for every single person, but I, I, one thing that is a little bit consistent in conversations I've had, and maybe this is something that we should be very careful to, to uh, be aware of as, in, in our conversations, sometimes when the spirit seems to be discussed among people, they're kind of glorifying themselves. <clears throat> Like, I know this. I did this. I... It's not glorifying Jesus. It's glorifying themselves. And what do we talk about? We say, well, I've done this. I've put this away from my life. I don't do these things anymore. I'm righteous in these ways. That's what the Spirit's work is. That's... We shouldn't take full credit for that, right? We need to be very careful how we speak about the Spirit. But we also just need to know that when we hear other people talk about it, that we shouldn't be shocked that they speak about it, him in ways, and it's hard for me not to say it when speaking about the Spirit, I'm sorry. I, I really have tried over the past couple years to say he, because that's exactly how Jesus speaks of him, is a he. Um, we need to be careful what we listen to. But we also need to remind people that everything about the Spirit's work was about Jesus and about bridging this gap between disciples and God. It's not about understanding new things or having a deeper knowledge of, of some sort of thing that doesn't really help us to draw closer to God. All those things are up for speculation. And I don't, I don't see the Spirit dealing with speculations. The Spirit deals with truths. The Spirit deals re- with remembering things about Jesus. So I want to ask this question for each of these three texts we looked at in John. What did this wind up looking like? Let's go to Acts chapter six. We're gonna to go to Acts six, four, and two. Should be pretty easy. I intentionally just kind of broke it down that way. Acts six, four, and two. And I'm not saying that these perfectly align with, with John 14, 15, and then 16, but in all three of these texts in Acts, we're gonna see elements from the things we've discussed about the Spirit. So let's start in Acts chapter six, and let's just set the scene. So you, you have all these disciples, that are gathered together, and there, there are thousands of, of disciples at this point, converts to Jesus. And there are people that need to be taken care of, and some people are being overlooked. So the apostles see this, and they see there's some widows that are being overlooked here, so what are, what are we going to do about that? So they decide that what needs to happen is there needs to be um, six men that are chosen by the number of people. He actually says he says in verse two the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Then he says full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of the faith, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So, what do we see about the Spirit here? So, first, John 14, the Spirit's going to dwell in them, dwell with them and be in them. And the Spirit teaches them and brings to remembrance what Jesus said and did. So, what, what were the, th- the things about these men that they noticed? Or what were they supposed to notice? Good repute. Good reputation. That, that they're known and they're known to be good, honorable men. Well, what made them honorable? They're full of the spirit and of wisdom. What did that look like? I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think it didn't look like. You go on and you see in the rest of the chapter how there was this idea that when they laid their hands on them and then you see what Stephen was doing that he was actually doing great wonders and signs in verse 8. But it doesn't mention that before. It actually just mentioned that he was full of the Spirit, a man full of faith. This is just my take on this. I think when you see in verse 6 that they they lay their hands on them, it's one of two things. Either A, they're just commending them to this work, these six men, saying... The apostles are saying, you know, we commend you to this work, this is a good work, do this well. Or, they're laying their hands on them, so they're able to actually have some, some ability, ability to discern among the people what the needs are. Some miraculous ability. And then we see that happen with Stephen, and then he's able to do some signs and wonders in verse 8. What I don't think that we should assume is that when we see that they were full of the Spirit and that Stephen himself was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, that that means that he was going about performing miracles, speaking in tongues, and all of that. I just don't know if we can assume that. What we see happen later on is that there are signs and wonders. So here's the point in bringing that up. That what this looked like as far as the Spirit dwelling in them was that they were known as being good men that were faithful, full of faith, and they were wise. Well, can we not strive for that same thing? Can we not strive that the Spirit would be in us, would dwell within us, and that we we would have good reputation, be of good repute, that we would be full of faith, and that we would have wisdom? That should be our goal, not to have some signs and wonders. And then what we can see is we are useful to the Lord. Through the Spirit, we have these things and we are useful to God. All right, let's go on to John 15. So now we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4. So you have Peter and John. If you want to go to the very beginning, Peter and John, they and maybe there's one other they they were in front of the priest and the captain of the temple and they they're just really annoyed with um, Peter and John. They keep preaching this Jesus and they keep telling people that you Jews you crucified him and they're just getting tired of that. So they they lock him up. Basically they, you know, come bef- they make him come before them and they just kind of keep on asking questions and going through the motions here. So then we get down later on in the chapter, and we'll just begin in verse 19 real quick. Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. How were they able to do that? It was the Spirit. Remember that he was going to, they were going to see him, and they were going to know him, and they were going to hear him, because He was going to be saying things that were from the Father. So they threatened them a little bit more. They don't have a way to really punish them, so they they let them go. Um, and then you see that they were released in verse 23. And, and then all their friends, all, all the Christians, that they're so excited about this. They lift their voices to God. And then you go down to verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant in Jesus. And when they had prayed, they play the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So, if you remember, John 15 was this time where Jesus was talking about how people were going to hate them. The world hated me. The world's going to hate you, and they're going to persecute you. What's just happened to Peter and John? They've been persecuted for preaching Christ. And then all of a sudden, here you have the Spirit come upon them in this grand way, where every like it's like an earthquake, basically. And it says that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what are they able to do now? Well, it, it does say that they were they were able to do some things. It does say that there were some signs and there were some wonders. But what it actually focuses on here is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Well, how are they able to do that? Because the Spirit is bearing witness of Jesus and then the apostles are able to bear witness of Him, even in the midst of persecution. So when we see this, and we want the same Spirit, we want to bear witness of Jesus. And we just think, if only I could do something special. You know the special thing they did was they spoke boldly about Christ, even in the midst of persecution. And the Spirit helped them in that. Alright, now let's go to John 16. John chapter 16, I'm not John 16, let's, let's look at Acts chapter 2, which we're, we're kind of referring back to John 16 with this one. So keep in mind all the things that John 16 said about the Spirit, and let's look at Acts chapter 2. I do think, I just want to point out, I know the verses on the screen are really 32 through the end of Peter's sermon here. But if you go back and you look at verse 16, actually, you see that he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he's quoting the prophet Joel here. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. A lot of this is about the Spirit. Now, it's all about Jesus. But Jesus specifically said the Spirit was going to come. And we see that really happen in Acts 1 and 2 here. But the Spirit did come. And what, they, what He did for them was He taught them. And He brought to their remembrance the things that were said of Jesus of old and the things that He said to them. And He gave them boldness to speak. And He gave them some, some signs that they could confirm the Word, that it was from God, that it truly was from the Father. So let's look and see what they say here beginning in verse number 32. Peter says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. But all the house of Israel know therefore, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So what do we notice here about the Spirit and how this relates to John 16? He says that they're witnesses and that they're telling them about the fact that Jesus was exalted at the right hand of God, glorifying Jesus. They receive the promise of the Holy Spirit and he's been poured out now. And what you're seeing and hearing today is just what Jesus promised. That's what he says. But everything about what they were doing and everything they were seeing really went in connection with what they were hearing, which was that this is the Jesus that was promised of old, And you crucified him. And then what was the effect? It says they were cut to the heart. Sounds like they were convicted of... Sin. These were people of the world. They were not disciples. They became disciples. Many of them. They were convicted of sin and righteousness and judgment. All in this moment. They understood that not only had they sinned, but that they needed to change some things. That's why they. That's why they needed to repent and turn. And they were convicted based on judgment as well. It confirms to them that this all is being judged, and we want to be separated from this. So that's why they asked, "What shall we do?" And then Peter. Famously says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what was the Spirit going to do for them? Well, Would the Spirit not do the same thing that He's been doing for them in some ways? That they would would be able to glorify Jesus? that, That He would bear witness to them about Jesus if needed? Or we could also say that, and we'll get to this in a second, but everything that the Spirit was involved in was about providing life. In life eternal, really. That's what they were receiving. They were receiving forgiveness of sins because they were convicted of their sin. But also they were able to actually receive this gift that they were able to speak the things that were from the Father now. Not new things, but the same things that they have been hearing they can now speak. That they're able to glorify God. That they're able to make it through persecutions and that they're able to bear witness about Jesus. I realized that we went through a lot of things in a pretty short amount of time. And that was on purpose because I don't know how well I could really expound on all of these different things. I do want to point out just a couple of other passages because I, I could see how these things we've talked about, it's helpful, it's informative, it's like but I don't know if I really get the essence of The Spirit. Like, I understand what Jesus said about the Spirit, how He was coming and everything. Just two passages. John 7, 37-39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this He said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This wasn't just something that like Jesus, it sprung on Jesus in John 14. Like, I guess I got to tell him about the spirit because, yeah, he's coming and not because I'm leaving. Like, Jesus knew about this for a long time. And he says that he was t- saying these things about the spirit. And, and what was he? what was the reference to the spirit here? Well, That if you come to him, you drink, and you have rivers of living water. Well, that that sounds like salvation. That sounds like true life. And then you go to John chapter 6. And Jesus says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. So the Spirit gives life. The Spirit is life, but he also connects it with the words. So just to address one thing that, that I, I know I've thought about and I, I think is, um, it's easy for us to say this because it's comfortable sometimes, because we don't have to get into deeper things. But when we say that, hey, look, I'm holding up the Bible right now, and this is the Spirit right here. That's just not an accurate portrayal of what Jesus says. Rather, what we should say is that the men who Jesus spoke to there in John 14 through 16, they were filled with the Spirit, and this is the effect of, of the Spirit in their life. This is, this is the work of the Spirit. This is not the Spirit, though, because this can't dwell in me. Now, sure, I can have the words, I can try to memorize them, but there's something... There's something deeper about the Spirit dwelling in us that is beyond pages and words. But I will say, Jesus connects the words with the Spirit. We receive His words, whether that's by reading or hearing. We receive His words, and they they are implanted in our hearts, which when we think about it, that's really what separates the old law from the new law anyway. Jeremiah is pretty clear about that in Jeremiah 31. And so what happens when we have this? When we have His words, when we, when we believe in him, he says that we have this life. So I guess really the question is, do, have we pursued the word of God, not just by reading it, but truly pursued wanting to know Jesus, know God, know what he says? Do we believe that? Have we repented? Have have we been baptized into Christ so that we can actually receive this gift of the Holy Spirit that continues to confirm the words, that continues to bring to remembrance the things of Jesus? Not new things, but things that that we already know, things that they already knew. And then can we say that we have confidence, even in the midst of persecution, to bear witness of Christ? And then we can do that until we have life everlasting. So what does this mean for us today? What well, Jesus spoke about the Spirit, and we should speak about the Spirit as well. But we should speak what we know and what is actually revealed through Christ. We shouldn't just speak about things that we wonder about. We need to be very careful with that. We need to speak truth through the Spirit. We're not speaking truth through ourselves. We're speaking through the Spirit. So don't, don't think that we need to glorify ourselves. So This is all about glorifying Christ. We need to be changed by the Spirit because that's what it says that those men in Acts 6, that they, they were... Filled with the Spirit. They were full of faith. The Spirit exposes sin. The Spirit reveals righteousness and confirms judgment. And those are the things that we need in our lives. To turn to the Lord. And we need to glorify Jesus by what the Spirit does reveal. But then this last thing is that once that's who we are, we need to see that this mission that the Spirit was on is the same mission that we need to share in that the Spirit was going to teach the truth and guide people to Christ. Well, that's our mission now. We're disciples, we're Christians, we're filled with the Spirit. We need to teach the truth and guide people to Christ. And then the last thing is that if the Spirit was going to glorify Christ and all He did, then that's what we need to do as well. And if I'm going to say that I'm a Christian, and I'm going to say that even as much as I don't know what all this means, that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, what I do know it means is that I'm going to glorify Christ in all I do if I don't do that, then I can't say I'm filled with the Spirit. I can't say that I have the commandments of God, that I'm keeping them, that I love Him, that His love is in me, and that He is in me. So I, I know that we didn't talk a ton about like, hey, so get out there and do this today. It's, but I, I think that this helps me to understand that I'm not trying to take ownership of something that is just, oh, this is all on me. They were to rely on the Spirit. And one of the things I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to understand what that looks like in my life. To rely fully on on the Spirit. Rely fully on, on what has been revealed about Him. And the fact that it all goes back to Christ. And that we teach and guide people to Him. And that we glorify Him. If you are here today and you have not done the things that we saw, whether it's in Acts 2, whether it's in Acts 4, or whether it's in Acts 6, just understand that you don't have the Spirit. You don't have that connection with Christ or the Father. Because we only have that through the Spirit. And we only have that if we believe in Him, we repent, and we've been baptized. And if we have that, then we need to be getting to work. Because the Spirit's working in us. So let's get to work out in our world. If you need to repent for any sins, or you need help with anything you're dealing with, or if you have been thinking about some things and you realize that, you know what, you, you weren't baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to help you. We want to have a conversation with you. But we want to act quick, and we want to do whatever we can to help each other. If the invitation applies to you, won't you let us know as we stand and as we sing?